0: morning everybody and uh last week i said i was going to have uh words of encouragement uh, uh, done i did not do it so please forgive me for those who wanted so desperately to write words of encouragement right liberty (laughs) yeah liberty is definitely the one who loves to do that so hey we're having a party how many know what a charcuterie board is how many know what a charcuterie board is? That's good. First time I heard of it, I was thinking it sounds like a parchezi board. Well, there is cheese on the board, but it's not the same thing. So uh, a charcuterie board. It says uh, family fellowship dinner assembly gift exchange Christmas party. Details. Bring food to share on a charcuterie board. Bring it. We're trying to spice it up a little bit this year. I think this is kind of spicy. Uh, someone asked, "Is it okay if we do that?" I go, "Yeah, it's okay to do that." How many of you ever had really, really great charcuterie board experiences? Oh my goodness! Never. I, never. Well, come and come and enjoy. It's just like amazing. So, I uh, bring a gift, about fifteen bucks value to exchange. Wear an ugly Christmas sweater or an ugly, ugly Christmas onesie, jam up thing. Wouldn't that be freaky? Yeah. With an ugly, yeah, that would be good. No, I'm not doing that. All right. So December seventeenth, five thirty p.m. Right here. Gifts and sweaters are optional. Gifts and sweaters are optional. Last last year's it was great. Uh, I, many of you saw that Alan won, and uh, in light of the the Bidenomics, and his shirt was about our beloved. I don't even know what I want to call him. Yeah, four different holidays with a guy that we know, kind of out, staring out in space. Anyway, so uh, if you can afford one in the Bidenomics era, that would be great to have a, a, just bring an ugly sweater. Just bring an ugly sweater, okay? There are examples of the boards on the- Oh, there are pictures over there of a charcuterie board. I'm not gonna attempt to say the word either. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, get online, look look at pictures of a charcuterie boards, they're really, Cool. It's not weird. It's it's really good. So anyway, there you go. December seventeenth, five thirty, right here. Bring your charcuterie goodies. I guess you'd have to bring them on a board, wouldn't you? Are there going to be boards available? Bring it on a board. Bring it on a board. On a plate. On on a, a plate. plate. It doesn't have to be. It could be a charcuterie plate or a charcuterie napkin. Yeah. Bring your own board. <laughs> Byob. Yeah. There you go. Oh, there are some other announcements. I got a little carried away. Yeah. Food was involved and I, I got carried away. Alright, gingerbread party. There's a gingerbread, gingerbread party and uh, Scott informed me that he misinformed uh, uh, Mrs. Drillinger. It should be December 2nd. So, thank you, Scott, for that clarification. I wrote it down. December 2nd. Uh, gingerbread party at Towers. I was there last year i did it last year and you know guys don't do that kind of thing but i did and i made the classic gingerbread house and it's beautiful snow everywhere and they had a dog in the family (coughs) and there were evidences of that dog in the yard i mean it was a great shark it was so cool i just had great fun and uh so i decided to do something like uh, the battle of the bulge this year in uh gingerbread with a little gingerbread German soldier, a little gingerbread American soldier. And uh, it's Christmas, so they'll stop and shake hands and have a little eggnog or something. I don't know, but I am excited this year. Maybe I have a tank in there, you know, just so it'd be cool. You can do whatever you want with those, those uh, gingerbread people. You can pose them in any way you want, it's so cool. So let me encourage you gentlemen, uh, please come out so I'm not the only one making a Battle of the Bulge gingerbread scene, you know, it'd be kind of nice. And believe it or not, I did have a lot of fun, and uh, eating it too. Eating it was good, and they had really good food there. So, but now where's it going to be? Tamara's house. Oh, Tamara's house. Tamara's house. Okay, thank you. There you go. And then ladies' Christmas party. There'll be a. There'll probably be a college age Christmas party. It's not on here. Uh, and of course, our Christmas party on the 17th for the church. And I love this one. There's going to be a New Year's party evening. We're not going to stay here until midnight. Okay. I am getting old and midnight is like way out there. Like I don't do midnight anymore because I don't do very well the day after. So Anyway, uh, I don't know. There will be a flyer for that coming up. Just put it on your calendars. That would be fun. It would be a good time. All right. Any other announcements I need to make except for we need to uh, uh, do a shout out for uh, uh, Alton, Halstead, Alston Halstead, Alton Halstead and Faith Fleck. Is she skipping out today? Who knows? But anyway, I'll give her a bad time when I share on Wednesday during our Bible study. So okay. Any others have uh, uh birthday coming up this coming week? No? Okay. There we go. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to none other than 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 5. And then we'll be turning to the book of Revelation in chapter 2. Book of Revelation in chapter 2. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, born from above. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and observe His commandments... Uh, this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Your Son, Jesus Christ, the great and awesome King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who has provided the victory for us, as was shared uh, just a bit ago by Jacob. Lord, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's, It's through his love that we conquer. And it's through the blood sacrifice of his son by which you loved us and provided a way for us that we would be and are now more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask in your Son's name this morning as we would read now about the Christians in the city of Smyrna. Father, their hearts, their lives, their convictions, and uh, Father, their faith. Help us to understand that the blessings for those who overcome and are victorious because they refuse to uh, reject the faith that your Son is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now let's turn to the book of Revelation in chapter two, and let's look once again, as we would finish this lesson up from last week, about the church at Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation, and your poverty, but you're rich. And the the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. But faithful, but faithful, Oh, excuse me, be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, he who is victorious, will not be hurt by the second death. I have to share with you that I'm excited about this particular church. You know, you ever heard the word silence is golden? How many have heard that before? Well, in this case, silence is salvation, And the Lord is silent about anything that they need to change. He isn't saying something like, well, you've lost your first love, and you need to repent and do the deed you did at first. Well, notice, we just read in 1 John in chapter 5 that the one who's born of God loves God and loves his children. Do you remember last week I shared that I believe the first love that they had forgotten was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love others just as Jesus loved them. You know, that's number one priority. Everything else is going to pass away, but love will remain. And so I believe the first love is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love his children. And you know, his commandments are not burdensome. You know what his commandment is? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And if you will do that, the world will know that you are my disciples. You see, I think we really do need to get back to that. And in fact, when I finish up this series, which it looks like it's going to spill into the, uh, <clears throat> the beginning of next year, we're going to talk about love and the power of love faith is incredible but once we enter into heaven no longer will we need faith we will see Jesus face to face but love the love that we have desired will be fulfilled then we will live that life of love with Jesus but you know this church at Smyrna it's a pretty amazing church not one word is spoken about what they need to fix now you know what That's pretty amazing. In fact, I believe based upon this passage of scripture that they had the kind of life that we studied a few years ago back when we talked about the power of sincerity from 1 Timothy chapter 1. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I believe they were those kinds of people in light of the context of what we're about to read once again and begin to work through. Let's look at it once again. To the angel or the preacher of the church there in Smyrna, the first and the last who was dead and has come alive says this. Jesus himself says this to the church at Smyrna. I know, I know all things and I know about your fellowship of Christians there i know of the great tribulation that you're going through i know about how poor you really are in this world but in this world you are rich beyond belief because you are faithful you are loving and you are of a good conscience he says you are extremely exceedingly wealthy and we're going to look at that this morning temporarily temporarily they were poor but in christ jesus they were exceedingly rich that's why we hear no no nothing that they need to repent from because they're living that very life of christ jesus he also says here though by way of of persevere stay the course he says here in this passage of scripture he talks about you're going to be tested by the devil and he's very specific you're going to be tested by the devil because some of your brethren are going to be thrown in prison to test them now i am under the belief that if you want to wipe a church out who do you want to throw into prison to test them to see if they're the real deal Who do you want to throw into prison? You want to throw the leaders into prison. Because if the leaders buckle, then what are the other people going to do? Well, if they were preaching that and they did not stay the course, well, maybe they weren't really preaching the truth. And then the devil is going to come in and bite and devour the whole congregation. I I believe that's probably what's coming for them. And it did happen to them. As God said, as Jesus said, what happened. But notice he also says here, rather interestingly, he says, uh, he also knows about the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So he, he recognized that there were hypocrites in the context of the body of believers. How many of you know that the Bible says that the Christian, the true Christian, is the true Israelite the true Israel? How many know it says that in more than one place in the New Testament? See, because as Christians, we've experienced a spiritual circumcision. A circumcision of the old flesh, the old man, circumcised out in the waters of immersion, actually removed from us, and replaced with the sweet spirit of Christ Jesus, that we'd be born again. So it's important for us to recognize that, That when he's talking here, the synagogue is that place of learning. Isn't the the church body a place of learning? And isn't the Christian the true Israelite, the true Jew? I believe there were some Christians in that city that were not Christians at all, but rather blasphemous against the truth. But that church stayed the course. That church stayed the course. Might I suggest... You might have done some some thinking and maybe interfacing with with people who call themselves Christians and yet they live a life just like the world. It's sad to read about ministers and people in the body of Christ and leadership being involved in sexual immorality and embezzlement and greed and exploitation of people. Unfortunately, we hear about that too often. You see, people who put a front, a mask on, and they act a certain way, but they don't really live it. That's why I believe this church, this fellowship, actually was living that 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. They were living a life of true sincerity, pure love, good conscience, and a sincere faith, a genuine faith. But notice what he says here. He says, you be faithful to the end. You be faithful unto death. Remember in the wedding vows? You ever been to a marriage before? Where it says, you are to be faithful unto what? Faithful unto what? Come on, it's okay. You can say, faithful unto death. You see, when the church, when a person becomes a member of the body of Christ, They are married to Jesus Christ and they're called to be faithful unto death in good times and bad, in sickness and in health. Until death do you part. But you know what? Until death do you come together as one face to face when it comes to Jesus. It's important for us to recognize then that this is a great example of a church. Now let's take a look at that very first point. I know your tribulation. Take a look. Harsh tribulation the word tribulation actually means to have intense pressure to buckle. Intense pressure to cave in and give up your faith. And there's intense pressure on this church to give it up. Some of you remember, uh, uh, and maybe you don't, I being you a know, military kind of guy, and my uncle was a uh, submarine captain uh, out of San Diego. Uh, there was a submarine called the Thresher. It was one of the first atomic submarines. And it went too deep. And it was crushed. Imploded. Under the pressure it went so deep. And so that's what tribulation is. It's trying to crush the Christian to give up their faith. To say enough. I, I, I won't I won't talk about God. I won't teach. I'll just, I'll give it up. I just want to save my skin for a few more years. Well, that's foolish in light of eternity. That's foolish in light of eternity. This tribulation here is talking about, spoken of, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You've heard this before. We started the year... In 2 Corinthians and chapter 1. And you remember uh, starting there in verse 8. Paul talking about his afflictions. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction. Same word as tribulation. We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of uh, our tribulation. Which came to us in Asia. That we are burdened. That word burden has to do with being trying to be crushed with all that was coming their way burdened excessively beyond our strength so that uh, we despaired even of life indeed we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us he on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us notice could you crush the apostle Paul You couldn't crush the Apostle Paul. Satan tried to crush him. Was he thrown in prison? More than once. And when he was given a death sentence, did that crush him? Did he shut up? Did he stop preaching? Did he stop writing? Did he stop encouraging? What was the answer? Absolutely not. There's our example. Timothy, by the way, was also thrown in prison. Was he crushed? The answer is no. He was actually in the end of Hebrews. He was spoken of as being one who has been set free. And he's coming to us. Do you think Timothy was going to be whining about what happened in prison? Or was he going to follow his father in the faith, Paul? Now we don't know. But we we do know he stayed the course until death. So it's important for us to recognize, brethren, just how important this lesson is for us. There might come a day when I'm thrown in prison. When I speak against sexual immorality like we're spoken of in the very first church. They were not, you see. And so it's important for us to be willing to stand our ground. Marriage is between a man and a woman. A biological man and a biological woman. Faithful unto death. Pure. Giving themselves to each other only and to no one else. You see, that is what the Bible says and that's how God created us. Anything outside of that is contrary to God's plan. And so it's important for us to realize that the leadership stayed the course and in this case, they were thrown in prison. Well, let's take a look in verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. The word suffer there, the word suffer there is something that all Christians will experience at some point. You know, American Christians haven't really suffered. I mean, we don't really understand the suffering, being thrown in prison for our faith. I mean, how many have experienced that? I didn't think so. How many have been beaten, just like the apostles, to shut their mouth and quit preaching truth? Me neither. You see, when we think about it, it hasn't happened. And so he says, now, now, this is coming, so don't fear the suffering which you're about to experience. In fact, when Peter wrote his first epistle, he was writing to the churches in Asia Minor and the region around that because he knew that they were going to come under intense persecution. And he wanted to get them ready for that. Just like John, Jesus speaking to John, is trying to get us ready for that. Now, I don't know how you believe about the seven churches and the letters to the seven churches. Were there seven churches? Were these letters specifically written to those specific churches about their specific issues? The answer is yes. But it's written for our instruction as well. And I believe that every one of those churches was doing something right except for one. You go back. There was one of those churches that there was nothing that they were doing right. I mean, in every way, they were messed up. Church at Laodicea. What a disaster. But when you look at that, I cringe when I read about the church at Laodicea because I can see the American church in that. Now, I'm not judging but i'm just saying the evidences i see and how weak the church is and how materialistic and how proud when really our pride should not be only but in the lord and what he's done for us see we should not have our hope in things and so all of these are about us so let's take a look at this now in regards to do not fear 1 Peter chapter 2, what does it say there? Peter's trying to help us out this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. What's our purpose? Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example on how to suffer correctly. See, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile and return, and while suffering, here it is. He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. How are we doing on that? Are we trusting and building our trust in Jesus Christ? I've asked Eric to come and speak during the adult Bible class hour here in the near future in January, and I asked him to let's help us to remember what it means to trust God so that when it comes to putting our hope completely in God we will be steadfast immovable it's important for then for us to understand that it is our purpose in this life to live such a way that trouble would look for us we don't need to look for trouble in fact that's not what we're supposed to do we're never to look for trouble We don't want to start anything we want to live a life that glorifies jesus christ and you know when you live a life that glorifies jesus christ trouble will find you it will come looking for you you don't need to go looking for it do you understand you live the life of christ and trouble will come by the way doesn't the bible say anyone who desires to live godly in christ jesus will be what persecuted sounds like trouble well Let's look at one more. I want to encourage you with with this Peter because he does a great job in regards to the the concept of suffering. By the way, there's no other New Testament book that uses the word suffering more than 1 Peter because he was trying to really mentally prepare those people for some severe suffering. Notice what he says here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, and reading verse 12 uh, down through uh, verse 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. There's that same word, testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you suffer, uh, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory is, and of God rests on you. In other words, you're living such a life that's so spirit-filled that people in the world can't stand it. They just want you to shut up and get out of their lives. You know, uh, uh, Jacob, when he started his first job, I won't tell you what lawn care company it was, uh, but it's it's local and it's the name of a person uh, and a family that's local here, but I won't tell you what that name is, okay? Anyway, the people that were working on his crew wanted him to drink and wanted him to cuss. It was their mission in life to get him to drink and cuss. I mean, didn't they tell you that? That was their mission. And it didn't work. They bugged him. Or he bugged them. But you know, one of his bosses started to get a good relationship with him. Happened in the next place that he went. Oh, come on. Wouldn't work. See, the standard there bugs people. Come on, get down in the slop and get dirty with me, man, then I'll feel better about myself. I mean, that's kind of why people do that, you know, because you're making them feel uncomfortable. You know what, I've never said, well, you know what, if you were this way, you should stop doing that. You know what, people are going to choose what they're going to do, and sooner or later they might find out that way of living doesn't work, and I'll just keep living the life, and they come to me, no judgment, I'll help them. That's really what the Christ life is like. So we're going to suffer when we stand for Jesus Christ. We're not suffering much now. We really aren't. But you know there's brethren... Just across the northern border. Preachers that are being thrown in jail for speaking against sex, out against sexual immorality and all the perversion that we see in the world right now. It's just disastrous. They're being thrown in prison. And truck drivers too. We didn't want to throw that one in there, you know. So, what did I do? I drove a truck. You know how they're going to test, it says here? They're going to test. The devil's going to test you by throwing you in prison. That's exactly what... The devil did to the apostle Paul. I'm sick and tired of you opening your fat mouth and teaching about Jesus and living a life that's so positive, you're bugging me. I'm just going to throw you in prison and shut you up. Did that work? Three times he is thrown in prison that I'm aware of. Didn't work. Three times. Didn't work. The last time they find out, we're just going to kill you. And then he really ramps it up in his last letter. Oh, yeah? I love it the way Paul is. Let's take a look at the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy, chapter 4. He's on death row, third time in prison. Remember, third time's a charm. By the way, his third time was his last time in prison because then he went to heaven because they executed him. Under Nero's uh, horrible, insane uh, emperorship, he killed him. But you know what? Here's what Paul says, verse 6 of chapter 4. Doesn't sound like a man slated for for, uh, execution. Sounds like a man who's excited about what his future holds. Here it is. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I am victorious in Christ Jesus, is what he's saying. I stayed the course. I didn't buckle. That's what he's saying. He goes on and he says, In the future there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all of us who have loved his appearing and have walked by faith, because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith that Jesus Christ, as was said this morning, that Jesus Christ will provide. Both those young men spoke of God's great provision. That's exactly what this is talking about. You know, the word testing there actually means to inflict evil and pain to see if there's weakness in that person. You know, the word temptation is the same thing, it means to probe. Test to see if that person has weakness. That's what the devil does. And of course, if you get the leadership to buckle, then of course, you've got the whole congregation. If you get the father to buckle, then you get the whole family. You get the mother to buckle, and probably you're going to get the whole family. But be faithful unto death. The word faithful there is you trust him and remain steadfast serving unto death isn't that what the apostle paul did i love that that was a great letter that he wrote as he concludes his life i'm victorious and anyone else who will be faithful will be victorious also faith is that victory then my prayer is that we would not buckle and i want to share with you why Why should we remain faithful? Why should we, as it says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, everyone who has this hope of Jesus returning for them, that hope, fixed on that hope, purifies themselves just as he is pure. In other words, we get the junk out when we're reading these different churches and oh, oh, I got that junk in my life. I got to get that out. Because when the Lord Jesus comes back, there's only going to be two groups of people. ones who are looking to crawl under a rock, literally it says that in the scriptures, to hide themselves, or who will be looking up to see the great majesty and glory that they're going to receive from Jesus Christ. There's only two people. At the last trumpet call, people are going to be freaking out when they hear trumpets and there's nobody trumpeting around. I mean, I think they're gonna be like the loudspeaker of loudspeakers. It's not gonna be like going to a duck game. That's gonna be nothing. It's gonna be loud like we cannot believe, and everybody in the world is gonna go, uh-oh, I heard something about trumpets somewhere in Sunday class when I was a kid, but I thought it was stupid. All of a sudden, it's not stupid, see? So I don't know about you, but I'm living it. We should be living it only for Jesus, and when the crush comes, we remain faithful. Let's turn then back to what we're going to get, what we're going to receive if we remain unshaken. Verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Spirit Christ says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death will not be hurt by the second death i don't know about you but if you're not listening this morning and you missed this part i think you missed the whole thing i want to go back to the very end where jesus talks about or john talks about what we get when it's all done turn turn with me to revelation in chapter uh, 21 beginning in verse one here's how we're going to finish up this morning I want to escape the second death. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And we have to remain faithful in order to escape the second death. You know, a lot of people, you know, think, you know, there's there's no second death. You know what? We're just going to die and it's, it's done. Uh, well, I want to experience what we're sp- talked about here. Chapter 21, Revelation, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, that's us, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And, he's, and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, "Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the waters of life without cost. He who is victorious will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death i don't know about you but that last couple verses stink I don't want to have anything to do with the second death. I want to have everything to do with no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. I heard a preacher once say that that death is our friend. I was at a memorial service. Death is our friend. That's the stupidest thing a preacher could say. Well, it is. It's stupid. I'll tell you what, if one of of you passes away, it hurts. You know, when John West passed away, I was excited for him. But you know what, I really had a lot of great times. Some people joke, I know Pat does too. Well, what about the rolling over in the pickup? Well, that wasn't as fun as some of the other experiences we had. But I'll tell you what, John and I did it and we were successful. We made it through. (laughs) So pleasing to preach his Memorial because I know I'll see him again. But I preached where everyone, including their family, said, Man, she was awful. I don't know how you're going to do it. (laughs) Wow, that's painful when family who know you best are saying those things. It's like, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my very best to honor her life. Uh, Is Jesus just? Yes or no? Is Jesus perfectly righteous, perfectly just, perfectly loving? I'm going to let him deal with the person who's passed away. But you know what? I want to remember the good things about that person and things we could learn. But you know what? With the John Wests and the the Grandma Peggys and and, uh, now the Daniels. I'm, I'm just excited. Excited for them. Because when they pass, they pass into paradise. Amen? No more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more separation, together forever. That's what I want. But for the cowardly who will back down and allow themselves to be crushed because of fear, they won't get to experience that. Remain courageous. Just like we see in our, uh, it was taken down here today, but that's okay, I still love Scott. Uh, something about, oh, it's back over there. The courageous man fears only the Lord. The courageous woman fears only the Lord. You want to make it to heaven? Be that courageous one, that sincere one, that fearless one, that one no, that no matter what, you're going to stay the course and love Jesus first and love his family as well. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer and continue to be victorious. Our holy God in heaven, in the book of Revelation, more than any other book, by a large quantity, the word victorious is spoken of in regards to the church of the living God. We are victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are victorious through the testimony of Of our God. The great gospel. We are victorious because of our faith. Lord God in heaven. I would ask that you would help us to be those overcomers. Those victors in the faith. That no matter what happens. We would not be crushed. But we would rather be resilient. Moving forward. Inspiring others. Even to our last breath. Or our last pen leather. A letter i pray that you would help us to be those victorious ones we ask this in G- jesus name amen all right let's all get excited come on stand up what did jesus say to do he said to go oh, I was a little bit more excited than that jesus said to what go. go get all excited go tell everybody that jesus christ is king get all excited go tell everybody that jesus christ is king Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king, Jesus Christ is still the king of kings, king of kings. Alright, let's go get it done.